0: Hey what's going on good people this is Gardner Douglas and I'm your Oyster Ninja Today we got a great show lined up for you And uh, we're going to be talking to Miss Emma Furman from R. Murphy Knives The world famous R. Murphy Knives Yep, that's right uh, Of course R. Murphy is up in Boston And um, a great company I actually when I'm not using my Dale My uh, Chesapeake Stabber Knife I like to use their, uh, their speed shucker. Uh, It gets the job done. I can go from the front with stabbing or I can shock from the hinge. So I really love R. Murphy knives and I plan on getting some more. And for those special listeners who wait till the end, we might have a special offer for you. So stay tuned for the whole episode. And I hope you guys enjoy this one. All right.
1: Hey, what's going on, good people? This is Gardner Douglas, your oyster ninja, and today here with Mr. Emma Furman. Um, Hello. Emma, can you introduce yourself?
2: Yeah, my name is Emma Furman, and I I do marketing for R. Murphy Knives. We're one of the oldest knife manufacturers in the country. We were founded in Boston in 1850. I mostly do marketing.
1: It's a day in a life marketing person for uh, R. Murphy.
2: Well, we're really small business, so um, there's just my my mom and I. One of the co owners is we're the two of us are the marketing team together, and we kind of our days vary a lot. we have a lot of different things going on, and because we're so small, everybody wears a million hats so um my day could be it's always got social media involved, it's always got a little bit of you know website maintenance and things like that, but we're often. Uh, reaching out to advertisers or vice versa um, about, you know, different marketing opportunities.
1: I was looking at your site yesterday, and uh, I I guess I'm kind of jumping ship here, (laughs) and you you spoke about how you reach out to other, you know, companies of Maine, but you guys team up with a lot of uh, chefs and restaurants and oyster uh, farms and stuff like that also. Could you go into a little bit about that?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So we have... We make so many different kinds of knives. We're really all over the map with different customers that we service. So um, we do both business-to-business, which is what you were just talking about, and business-to-consumer sales. And for the businesses that we work with, we do a lot of – we work closely with a lot of oyster farms and restaurants and things like that where they will – usually it's with oyster knives. Um, and they will buy a bunch and private label them so they will get their own logo on them either etched on the blade or engraved in the handle and they can then sell those at their restaurant or farm or give them as gifts to loyal customers. So we do a lot of that and we do a lot. We've been trying to work with more and more chefs on creating knives for their brands. So one of the most Famous ones we have is the Jackson Cannon Bar Knife. Um, I'm Do you know who Jackson is?
1: Well, Jackson only because Cannon. of the website, but you...
2: Yeah, so Jackson is an award-winning mixologist and bar director up here in Boston. And he came to us years ago and said, you know, nobody makes a knife specifically for bartenders. We just buy cheap paring knives and end up throwing them out all the time and buying new ones. So we worked with him and everyone at his bar, the Hawthorne in Kenmore Square here in Boston, um, and developed a knife that worked great for them, made it nice and sissy and sexy. And um, nice. it's taken out a life of, of its own, really, um, because there just wasn't that product before. So that's an exciting one that we've done. We've also worked with Andy Husband for, um, on the Pitmaster knife. Um, so, yeah, we've been trying to reach out to chefs and um, just people in the industry and get some new exciting products out there.
1: What about that, uh, Food 52? Food 52 is um,
2: an old partner of ours. Um, are you oh, familiar okay. with Food 52 at all?
1: Not until yesterday. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, so it started um, with these two women, uh, Amanda and Meryl. And they had a blog that was essentially, it was, you know, it was called Food 52, and it um, every week they would have have an ingredient of the week and have everyone send in their favorite recipe that involved that ingredient. So uh, mm-hmm. once they had a whole year, and then um, you know, people who read the blog would vote on each recipe and things like that, and they would decide like this is the best recipe for this ingredient, um, and then. After- after a year of that, they put that all together into a cookbook, and then from there they've expanded their brand. Um, it, they're huge now, um, but way back we were in touch with them when they first started the store. On their site, it used to be called Provisions, and now it's just the, the shop on their website. Um, and we've okay. developed so many products with them too, um, because they're such a behemoth now in their in their uh, in the e-retail space for food that they really know what customers are looking for and come to us with ideas of different things they think their customers would be interested. So we've done a lot of knife development that way as well.
1: Can you tell me a little bit about Mr. Mark and Miss Mimi?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So Mark and Mimi are actually my parents. I don't know if you, wow. knew, or, you knew that. Yeah.
1: Of course I did. Um,
2: yeah, <laughs> <laughs> of course you did. Um, so my, my parents actually bought the company in 2009 and they have been bringing it back from, you know, it was kind of a little bit lost in time. Um, when we got there, the company didn't have a salesperson there in 40 years. Um, and you know, it was just kind of being left to its own devices. So they stepped in and totally fell in love with it. And then I did too. They brought me on board. Right. And, yeah, and uh, so they come from a totally different background. No one in our family was ever knife makers or anything like that before. Um, actually, the two of them in the 70s started a construction business together. And um, they were doing that for a while. And then for a while, just Mark was doing it um, while my sister and I were being raised. And, yeah, and so we, you know, we come from a very different background, or they do at least, and just have fell in love with it so much. And, you know, my dad has a great engineering brain um, and, you know, went to school for engineering. So he really got to dig into that side of it and nice design and um, working with all the old machines and things like that. He really... Really loves that part of it. And, um, my mom, Mimi, is just such a wonderful people person. She's natural marketer, I would say. Very intelligent and passionate and loves talking to people, especially about our knives. Um, and so they, you know, just made the switch and just fell right into place with it.
1: I remember, I do remember that about your mom. I mean, I wasn't at your home, but she made me feel like, you know, come on in, let's talk. Let's talk, you know, yeah. like that, you know.
2: She's very welcoming, and um, she just
1: she's got a knack for
2: it naturally, you know.
1: I know you said uh, Mark was the an engineer, and I read that you guys handmade or every blade.
2: Yeah, so it's um it's hand manufacturing, um hand so manufacturing. it is still a factory with machines and things like that, but the because the kind of the business was left to its own devices for so long, like I had previously mentioned. Um, Right. It never it was never updated or automated. So a lot of the machinery we have is, you know, over 30, 40 years old. We have some machinery that dates back to the late 1800s with its patent dates. Um, We have a machine that we use constantly. That's from World War II era. Um, Wow. But it is, you know, a person standing there. You know, running the machine, seeing each blade go through and, um, you know, picking it up. And there's a lot of hands on that goes on there. We do have a few modern, more modern pieces of equipment that we personally brought in, um, once, you know, we were, um, running the company. But before that, there was nothing automated whatsoever. And right now we only have one automated machine still.
1: Nice. Yeah, so it's I very
2: old-school um, techniques.
1: Yeah. So my biggest, or not biggest question, but is how does one come to purchase a nice company? Like, <laughs> you just stumble upon that, like, you know what? I'm going out today. I'm going to find you a nice company to buy. It. Like, how does that happen? <laughs> yeah. Like, it was it well-thought-out? So, no, you know, I'm just
2: going to go to the store, pick up some milk, <laughs> some bread, a nice company, no big deal. Um, right. Yeah. <laughs> Um, it was just kind of one of those business opportunities that happened across my parents' you know field of vision um back in the day. it was it, you know it was through a friend of a friend um and different businesses that my dad had worked with with the construction business um and it just was an opportunity that presented itself a few times and um finally, you know it made sense to them to you know get it as an investment essentially. And mm-hmm. and then we and then like I said we just all fell in love with it. It's so
1: cool <laughs> that right,
2: yeah that we just
1: been keeping it going. Yeah. So how is it working with your parents? It
2: you know it's great. I'm I, you've met my parents. They're really really amazing people, and they are they're fun to just hang out with. They're fun to work with. I mean we're serious. But you know we have a good time together. Um, it helps, you know, that I don't like live and work in the same places. Then I think that would be a little bit challenging. <laughs> so <laughs> just working together is is quite enough, I think. But um, you know, it's like any it's like any job. You know, it has its pluses and minuses. But it's really on the whole, it's really great. We all get along really well. <laughs>
1: We have to, because uh, if
2: we start any arguments, there's too many sharp objects lying around, you know?
1: (laughs) No doubt. (laughs) 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 So in the last 10 years, has there been any memorable experiences with the company?
2: Um, There's been a lot of crazy, like, cool things that have happened to us. We have. We've been in a lot of really great, um uh, magazines and newspapers and things like that. So Wall Street Journal, New York Times, Bon Appetit, um, Rachel Ray Magazine. Um, so those have all been really exciting. Um, I think Whoa, one of us, wow. yeah, yeah, we, and uh, <laughs> many <need> more too. <laughs> um, we have a few patents on that, on the bar knife I was telling you about and, um, one of our oyster knives and we have a patent pending on a new type of edge, which is all pretty exciting. Um, oh, snap. We, yeah. And we, I think, you know, one of the most fun things for all of us is every year we do the Wellfleet Oyster Festival. Have you been to that?
1: I haven't been to it. Maybe one day.
2: The Wellfleet one. It is so fun. It's, um, in October, the week, weekend after Columbus Day every year down in Wellfleet on the Cape, uh, on Cape Cod. And it's 25,000 people come to that. And it is a trip and a half. (laughs) Um, it is super fun. It's just a lot of really cool people that, you know, love oysters and craft people and things like that. So we really, that's always, it's a memorable experience for us every year getting to go down there and talk to people about our knives and um, sharing them with other people who really love
1: oysters, and
2: it's, it's always a good time.
1: All right. I think that's one of my biggest joys because it seems like sometimes, you know, in my regular life day-to-day, I'm the eyeball out because all I want to do is talk about oysters and aquaculture and sustainability, and then everybody's looking at me weird, but then when the oyster festivals come up, I'm like, hold on, I'm home again, you know?
2: Yeah, right, yeah, because there's all these people who are, like, understand what you're doing, and,
1: yeah, it's
2: it's really neat. It's a great event, so you should definitely come up for it sometime.
1: No doubt. i got to put that one on the calendar.
2: Yeah, for sure.
1: So I guess we can dive into your, uh well, we can't dive because it's, you know, sharp objects. But yeah,
2: yeah, you want to be careful. Uh,
1: <laughs> we can talk about, uh of course, I know you from your oyster knives, but and you're mm-hmm. talking about your bar knife. what other, like you just have a full array of of knives, right?
2: yeah, we make a a ton of different kinds of knives um when I was saying before um the when the company had been so the company was founded, I'm gonna go way back, taking it way back
0: uh-huh. the company was founded in eighteen
2: fifty um so you know that's pre civil war that's a long time ago um by two brothers, Robert and John Murphy. And they, you know, it was, it was the industrial revolution. It was around that time and all of the industry here in the U.S. was just starting to grow, especially up here in Massachusetts where the shoe industry was happening and the shellfish industry and, um, textiles and things like that. There was just a lot of mills and, um, factories up here in New England. Um, at that time, and so obviously uh, in the knife factories, you know, some of the oldest ones including us are still here in Massachusetts um, but the company was originally to make knives for all these different industries uh, so we still make 22 different kinds of shoe and leather cutting tools, we make Milling knives for the rubber industry, the paper industry, um, things like that. So it all started as industrial hand knives, um, and for over a hundred years, even now, still we're we've been making some of those same oyster knives that we've been making um, because that was from the oyster industry way back too. Um, but when we bought the company, it was just relying on this the strictly industrial, like, craft and industrial mill knives and things like that. And we discovered that there was capabilities for making all of these other kinds of knives in the factory um, just from inventory that was lying around. Um, so, we discovered that there were kitchen products and the oyster knives weren't really being made anymore even. So, We discovered those things, hunting knives, and started bringing them back, started getting them out there for people to see. Um, So we're the only um, U.S. manufacturer of carbon steel kitchen knives, and anyone who's, you know, a cooking buff will will know about carbon steel, um, how you get a better edge from it. So that's a really nice um, offering that we have that other people don't have who make their knives here in the U.S. Um, so we're kind of all over the map with the kitchen knives, the oyster knives, the hunting knives, the craft and industrial knives. Um, so we make tons.
1: <laughs> right. So I'm glad you touched on uh, a couple of things. One was the carbon steel. Um, mm-hmm. because, could you break down a difference in uh, the type of materials you can use?
2: Sure. We use both carbon steel and okay. stainless steel. Um, But, you know, before stainless steel came around, which is what most people are familiar with, um, there was only carbon steel. Um, And that's what all knives were made out of. That's what, you know, I'm sure way back, um, you know, all tools, everything um, was made with carbon steel. And then stainless steel was invented, and people really preferred to not have their knives have that Look that carbon steel can get that patina. They want it nice and shiny, um, and so it's kind of trans- transitioned over to that. Um, but we have learned that carbon steel actually is a higher performer than stainless when it comes to knife, knives specifically. Um, it can take an edge more easily right from the get-go. It can stay sharp longer than stainless pen and when you go to resharpen it, you can get it back to the original edge, which is something that stainless steel can't ever quite get all the way back to because of the anti corrosive properties in it. You're going to get a longer life and a higher performance out of a carbon steel knife. You just can't leave it sitting around wet because it can rust. But all you have to do is wipe it off so it's not that much extra maintenance.
1: (laughs) Cool. cool. Well, that explains a lot with my shotgun knife. (laughs)
2: So the shucking knives typically are stainless steel
1: because with an
2: oyster knife, as you know, um, with an oyster knife, you don't need to have a sharp edge. You just need to have uh, the point to be able to, like, dig into the, the hinge. I know there are a bunch of different ways of shucking that you're probably way more familiar with than I am. But Thank when we're talking you. about hen shucking, <laughs> um we mostly we we don't really need a sharp edge. We just need right. you know that little bit of a point to get in there. Um but we do have some carbon steel oyster knives um still kicking around the factory if you if you want some, you know, some old looking ones. <laughs>
1: Oh, of course. I'm not going to turn any old knives down.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so uh, when looking for a knife, and not just the oyster knife, but any knife, and you can touch both areas as far as, like, oysters and just regular knives, what sure. should we be looking for when we go to buy buy knives?
2: Um, so a few things that I think are important for people to know is, I like I was saying, with the carbon steel with the edges, that's always A nice thing to look for. Um, And um, just being able to identify a few different things about knives, you want to make sure that they have a a good weight in your hand and a nice balance. Um, So between the the blade section of the knife and then the handle section, um, when you're looking at the handle, it's always nice. And this is more with cooking knives, but we We do this with a lot of our different products um, to make sure that the steel runs all the way through where the handle is. So that's called a full tang. The tang is the part of the knife that is not the blade, so the handle section. So the full tang steel running all the way through, um, that'll give your knife a little bit more weight and it'll balance much more easily between the handle and the blade. Um, We like wooden handles, um, but we do make plastic handles as well, as you know, um, especially
1: for oyster knives. Right. So as far as, let's just talk, um, well, I guess you can hit both sides again. Uh, Just taking care of knives, is it more than just, you know, wiping it dry, make sure it's dry? Uh, How else do we um, take care of a knife, and what should we use? to sharpen them, or should we just take it to a professional? Sure. Um, so
2: we, so for general care, um, we're going to probably recommend this to you no matter what kind of knife you have, especially with a sharp, fine edge like a chef knife. You never, ever want to put that in the dishwasher. Don't ever put any knife in the dishwasher. You want to have a good edge, I guess is the general rule. Because the dishwasher can really, really abuse that edge, and it'll just come out dull and it won't last very long. And it, especially if it has a wooden handle, you know, you know that's going to ruin the wood as well. The dishwasher. Um, so we recommend that everybody hand wash and dry all of their knives. Um, but it, that's kind of easy because you're using it, and then you just can clean it off quickly, and get it ready to be used again right away. Um, with the carbon steel knives, um, you just don't want to leave them sitting around wet. So again, that's just a hand wash and immediately dry. Um, sometimes I just wipe them down as I'm using them as well just to keep them as dry as I can. Um, and then with the oyster knives, um, especially the ones with the plastic handles, they're a little bit, um, because they don't have a sharp edge, and because they do have plastic handles, you can be a little more loosey-goosey with the rules on those. But still, we recommend hand-washing and drying. Cool. There it is. Straight from the professional. <laughs>
1: uh, what about sharpening?
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. So with sharpening, we always recommend uh, a whetstone. Um, and we have some for sale on our website and a video as well so you can see how it's done. Um, so it's not as difficult as people think. But if you don't feel like getting into that, um, you can also send them back to us, and you know we we can do we have a sharpening service that we provide, um, or you can just bring them to another professional. Um, but yeah, whetstone is typically the best way. There are other sharpeners out there on the market which will get the job done, but can also remove quite a bit of steel from the blade so your actual knife will not last as long as you keep sharpening it because it will just get smaller and smaller.
1: (laughs) Right. Wow, that's top notch service. I didn't know you uh, picked knives but...
2: Yeah, yeah. You can send them back to us. I think it's $5 a knife for
1: sharpening. Wow. That's affordable. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about the reason why we're all here.
2: All right, let's talk
1: about it. <laughs> so your oyster knives, I was looking, and um, I think another shucker actually sent me the link, um, because I had been seeing the handles, but I, I guess I wasn't putting two and two together. Um, but let's talk about your eco-friendly knives.
2: Yeah, so as we all know, there's a ton of pollution out in the ocean, and it just seems to be getting worse. So... We've been – we just launched an initiative um, that we are on track right now to replace all of our virgin plastic handles with um, handles made using recycled ocean-bound plastic. Um, so this is plastic that is collected from beaches and waterways. Um, typically in developing countries, Our specifically comes from Haiti. And the plastic is picked up, so it's preventing it from going into the ocean. Um, so we're trying to stop that flow. There's a lot to say about this. <laughs>
1: Um Well, I, I've got time if you've got time.
2: Okay, sounds good. <laughs> um, <laughs> so there are eight million tons of plastic goes into the trash. I mean, goes into the ocean every year because. Have wind and rain, and it's just near the ocean because it's on these beaches and in these waterways already. So the plastic that's already out in the ocean, while plastic doesn't break down necessarily, it does break apart and becomes really small particles of plastic that are and very um, salinated too at this point, where they're not really recyclable, unfortunately. Um so this is an effort to stop from that from happening altogether. Uh so keeping the plastic out of the ocean to begin with.
1: I think uh you just gave me an intro to one of my next episodes also because uh I mean of course everybody knows about trash and you know, pollution and just how dirty our waters are and you know, it just in the bottom on the top. But I didn't really mm-hmm. realize there were actual trash pits like in just the middle of nowhere, like the water is filled mm-hmm. with trash. It's yeah, crazy. there
2: are five very large gyres out in the ocean where there's just so much plastic trash amassed together that, you know, there I mean, I don't think there any animals can live in those areas and there's definitely all the animals are swallowing the plastic. It is it is really sad. And you know, we need to <laughs> find a solution to that as well. Um, but we're just trying to keep that from happening. It is something else that we need to
1: well, stop. <laughs> so you guys are teaming up with Envision Plastics for this uh, initiative?
2: Yes, yes. Is
1: so that,
2: a- um, Envision Plastics is a company that's um, here U.S.-based, and they pay local people in these developing countries, so pay local Haitians. Um, to go out and clean up the plastic trash on the beaches. And they pay them each enough so that one bag of collected trash can can feed a family of four for a week. So it's really creating jobs and helping the communities in those developing countries as well um, be able to be employed and feed their families and things like that. And then the, the plastic is sent back to the states. Um where Envision turns it into pellets and then the pellets are sent to our plastic handle maker who's in Connecticut and he turns them into our handles for us.
1: That's um more of a reason to buy oyster knife now.
2: Absolutely. But great. if people have any questions or anything like that, they can always reach out to us.
1: Okay. That sounds great. I mean, I hope somebody reaches out to you because... So when I when I read it, um, that just kept me leading on to more and more. So I was like, All right, well, let me look up Envision Plastics. So then I was mm-hmm. finding out about the um the different plastics, the uh was HDPE or yeah, H D P E mm-hmm. the recycled uh, so basically that's I don't know how many people actually look at their bottles and that kind of stuff. But when it has the recycle symbol and the number two on it, uh mm-hmm. that's what type of plastic that is.
2: You know, I'm not sure, but I, that sounds right to me.
1: <laughs> hey, that's, that's that's what I learned. That's, that's good that's information.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's really so, good information.
1: So it was like Equal Prime and HDPE. The Equal Prime was food grade, and I believe um, HDPE is the one that you can color. Mm. Put some notes or something. But, yeah, I don't know. It was real interesting. I, I actually want to get up with those guys.
2: Oh, yeah, um, well, certainly people can contact us, um, and, you know, our website is Um Don't forget the R, R for Robert, that one brother way back, <laughs>
1: or reach us at sales at
2: rmurphy.com or info at rmurphyknives.com and call us at the factory.
1: Do you guys do factory tours or anything?
2: We do do factory tours. Actually, you should come right. up and go on one.
1: We'll put that on the um, calendar
0: also. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. People just need to reach out to us and let us know if they want to come up. Um, Just send us an email or give us a call, and somebody will get back to you, probably me <laughs> or right, Mimi. Right. And we'll let, get back to you and schedule a date. We love giving tours because the factory is so old and so cool. Um, We love to show it off. So, yeah. Definitely, people can contact us for that. Um, and we're also on social media everywhere Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. There it is. So, I do have yeah.
1: one more question. Sure. So, of course, I shuck oysters. And mm-hmm. how did it come up to like the different oyster knives like every region of oysters? Oh, okay. Like, is that, so, is that just a thing or?
2: That, so, that's because of the. Oyster industry being older, um, back before oysters were farmed, they were much more varied in size and shape and shell texture, things like that, by region. And I mean, that they still are pretty varied, but they were much more back then. So each oyster knife was actually created to shuck a specific kind of oyster. So that's why you have them named after places. So you have your Chesapeake, your New Haven, your Boston, your New York, your Gulf.
1: For a, a normal guy like me who likes to sell mm-hmm. how would mm-hmm. I go about getting my knife designed? Like if I say, "Oh, I know I like this type of handle. I like this type of blade. I like this type mm-hmm. of flex or this type of, or you know, no flex." Or how, how would, if, do normal people do that? Also.
2: You wouldn't we don't do any like custom work, so we couldn't do just like a one off knife like that. But if it were if it were something that had, you know, a large interest, um, with a lot of people, you know, interested in something like that, we could we could certainly talk about creating a new
1: type of knife. Cool. And yeah. One more last question for real, for real this time. So, um I was looking at your knives. What is the difference between the um the New York and the, um, I think Boston it was is like they, yeah the New York and the Boston is is it a big difference there?
2: There is a difference. Um, the New York is actually larger than the Boston, as you might expect. <laughs> um, right. Um, because at one time, the oysters in New York Harbor were over a foot in diameter. Get the out of here. I know. So that blade, I know. The blade on that uh New York oyster knife is four inches long. Because oh, wow. it was they knew you needed something that long to be able to get in there and cut the adductor and just like be able to twist it in and everything like that. So you needed a really big blade for those gigantic oysters. Okay. Isn't that wild? Yeah we
1: have. It. That is yeah, wild oysters. Oh, wow, that
2: yeah. is well, yeah, Holy
1: but now that God. they're farmed,
2: you can basically use whichever knife you want um it's all about right. personal preference, so find a handle mm-hmm. shape you like, find a blade you like, and then just start shucking.
1: What do you think about the um uh, the shucker peg? You know, I haven't
2: used it. We've talked to Patrick a bunch, and it's cool. it's like a it's a really cool idea. I just haven't actually tried it out to use it.
1: <laughs>
2: I'm a traditional hinge shucker myself. So, I'm not
1: sure
2: so what's your how, favorite spell? My favorite? I love favorite our Oyster knife. Okay. Yeah, I love our Wellfleet Oyster Knife. Um I just love that it has kind of a teardrop shaped handle and it's a full tang oyster knife. Um and it's similar blade to our Duxbury oyster knife with the plastic handle. Um, but it's about uh-huh. a half an inch longer. And it's reinforced up through the tip. So you don't get a lot of breakage as long as you're um, shucking correctly, which is twisting, not prying, as you well know.
1: <laughs> right, right, exactly.
2: Yeah. Um,
1: so, yeah, I love the well fleet. Cool. So any uh, lasting messages or anything for the listener?
2: Um, well, we always like to tell people to get a good knife and go shuck yourself.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right. e- easy enough. Easy enough. Well, Uh, thank you, Emma, so much. I really appreciate you taking time out your day.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me.
1: And until the next time.
2: Oh, yes, until next time.
0: (laughs) All right, good people. Uh, Hope you enjoyed the episode with Miss Emma Furman from R. Murphy Knives. Now, R. Murphy Knives have been nice enough to give us a special offer only for the Oyster Ninja listeners. And that is 15% off of your purchase. So when you go to the checkout, put in the code NINJA, N-I-N-J-A, at checkout, and you'll get 15% off. And that's good all the way through August. So uh, hurry, August is almost up. Got a few more weeks to get your uh, knife purchase in. And um, like I said in the episode, you know, just buying some of those knives with the recycled handles, I mean, that's a good enough reason to, you know, get an oyster knife to to help out the, in the bigger picture, the bigger plan, you know. So, uh, like I said, I hope you enjoy this episode. Um, got some more news. Also, um, I'm helping promote this movie. Like if you're in the, the D.C. metro area, uh, come out to AMC Courthouse. I think that's AMC 8 on August 30th. And uh we need some people to sign up so we can make sure this movie goes through but basically uh it's the oyster uh movie from australia and uh it's gonna be a great movie i I've been watching the previews for a while, and finally it's coming to our town, so we need to come on out and you know and support this this movement you know this oyster movement uh if you want more details on that. Uh, just give me a uh a email at oyster p c at gmail.com. also if you check out the instagram page on oyster ninja p c or s i got more links where you can uh register for your tickets uh also i'm hoping I can get in contact with the producer so she can come on the show and tell us why we should go and check out the oyster film uh until next time folks. Thank you. Thank everybody for listening to the episode. Um, Thank you every time for your downloads. Thank you for your encouraging words. Thank you for, you know, everything, everything. Everybody's been good to me and it's only going to get bigger and better. And let's hope that, you know, you stay on for the ride. All right. Until the next time.